And that's something I learned from Willy and Lut. Um, they really taught me everything that's there is welcome. So the wish to die, the wish not to live anymore, is welcome. But also the wish that you stay alive, that your daughter stays alive, for instance, is also welcome. So everything can exist and we create we create the right for every feeling and every view to be evenwaardig. Yeah, at the same level. Yes. And sometimes we really ask as families, sometimes we really ask uh, at the child, may your parent feel like I want you to stay alive. Yes. And we ask the parent, may your child feel like I don't want to live anymore. Yes. And that's really important that it can exist next to each other. Yes, yes. Without facilitating the deed, or without uh, mm-hmm. facilitating any outcome or so there's always that's why it's an open heart circle yes. okay it's a heart circle because you speak from the from the heart mm-hmm. but it's open because the outcome is open yes This is the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Once giraffe heroes, we now call our participants guardians of humanity. Courageous, tireless workers for the common good. May each of them inspire you to follow in their tracks and contribute your own part to a just society and a healthy environment. My name is Dimi Dumortier. I'm your host on another episode of the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. And with us today is Siska Bart, And she will talk about the open heart circles that were initiated by Guardians of Humanity, Willy Van Damme and Lut Wouters, two people from Belgium, who unfortunately did not feel so well at ease to speak in English. And that is why... We have Siska Bart here with us today. But before engaging in a dialogue with Siska, I propose we listen to a fragment of an interview with Willy and Lut and that I have dubbed in English. Listen to Willy and Lut and the dilemma they had to face with their daughter Lieve. Ja, Lieve stelde de vraag van wat kan ik hier doen? Wat is... So Lieve asked herself the question, what, what can I do in this life? What, what is the reason that I am here? She was so unhappy. She had spent years in psychiatric hospitals. Nobody seemed to be able to help her. No medication could cure her. And then she asked me, Daddy, can you give me your consent that I step out of this life? She also asked this to my wife. As father, I, I said, but leave her. There is no way that I can give you this permission. For me, it's impossible to tell you, go ahead with this plan. For about two days, I only wept. I was completely shattered and I almost couldn't speak anymore. But the question remained and she kept on asking. And a year passed by and she asked it again after having left once more the hospital. Then I told her, leave her. If there is really no other way for you, because she had asked for euthanasia, but that had been dismissed. So I said, if there is really no other way, do it. 
but please let it not be us who find you on the street. And then 14 days later, she did it. And the fact that she was granted permission, I think, made her find the courage to do it. And I don't have regrets. Hebben wij eigenlijk zowel wij als de kinderen hebben dat ervaren dat. And, and it may sound strange to say this or to hear this, and this is not only true for us but also for our other children, that it felt as if we gave her the freedom to jump towards freedom. The fact that we were able to to talk about this this issue bit by bit over time, this very existential question, a question that aroused a lot of angst, fear. But the fact that we went through this process allows us to look back without anger. It feels as though she's still here. We still carry her here in our heart. And, and this allows me to be able to talk about this and to act accordingly, to commit ourselves. And, and of course, this wasn't easy at all. I mean, some of these moments were really full of suspense. But underneath that suspense, there was this longing, this loving, we love you, we embrace you. And this is exactly what we try to do with the open heart circles. Whatever happens, don't go out of the way. Embrace it. Family members, talk openly. Please don't run away from the fears and the difficulties. And, and it's this experience that helps us to do what we still do today, the open heart circles. And that is ook what I mean open heart circles probeer to do. What we just heard was a fragment of an interview of giraffe heroes Willy and Lut, two fantastic humans, two guardians of humanity, two people whom I've nominated myself because I know and admire them. They initiated the open heart circles, which are a kind of open dialogue sessions that I myself facilitate with families. And since I cannot interview myself, I welcome my colleague Siska Bart. Now, Siska, let's agree that this situation is kind of awkward since we have never talked English with one another. And why is that? <laughs> oh, why is that? <laughs> I, I really don't know what to say. <laughs> that is because we are colleagues and we use Dutch in the practice of open heart circles, open heart circles. You and I, we just watched the video that I recorded several years ago of Willy and Lut, who told me about their daughter, Lieve, who passed away. She stepped out of life. Mm -hmm. And Willy says that for him, it took them two years of bewilderment and not knowing what to do with it or what to say or how to talk about it even. But then they gave an interview And that interview was the start of what he calls the open heart circles. Yes. I must say it really sounds beautiful in English. Open heart circles. I have never thought about it, how we would say it in English. So that's, but it sounds nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your practice with open heart circles? How did you come mm -hmm. to know it and mm -hmm. how you practice it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to begin to tell that um, uh, Willy contacted me some, uh, five years ago or something like that um, to ask me whether I wanted to participate in the open heart circles. And then I was really touched by the story of him and uh, Lut. 
And I was also touched by all the reactions that they did uh, get and by the project that they made really from out of their own pain um, to make such a beautiful project. So I really wanted to be part of it. And, and at that moment, did they already do open heart circles yes. with people? Yes, they were already uh, started with open heart circles and they were looking for partners to um, expand it and to try to do it more in um, institutions for youth care uh, in Belgium, for instance. And they were looking for partners who wanted to build it up uh, in the community. And of course you said yes, mm -hmm. otherwise you wouldn't be here. But just for the listeners of our podcast, Siska, can you please explain what exactly are open heart circles? Yes, I will try. I will, I, I will of course, because I also do open heart circles. Yes, so we'll, we'll explain it together. Yes, we'll explain it together. By the way, we could say also that um, every open heart circle we facilitate with two uh, persons. So that makes it... Um, Obvious that we Obvious also... Also do this, voila, thank you, with the yeah, two yeah. of us here. And if we were really here doing an open heart circle, then we would have two different roles. Then one of us would be the one who would generate the dialogue, who would ask the questions, who would structure the dialogue between the family members. And the other one would be kind of, a, a, we call it a mirror, but a mirror who can feel and speak. And that person would feel what happens to, um, to him during the talk and would give some language to the emotions that he feels. This person would catch uh, atmosphere, would catch energy, would try to be sensitive for non-visible energies. Yes, and that's right. You said it beautifully. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And he would try to give um, a language to emotions that are not getting language from themselves, that stay underwater, uh, but are really to feel in the, in the room. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, so, okay, one is facilitating the dialogue, is, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. keeping an eye on the flow of the conversation. The other would catch the energy and uh, mirror some of the unspoken things to the family members. And why are these people together? So what, what brings them to ask an open heart circle? What happens is that one person in the family, a person who is really touched by something that is happening in the family, and that person could um, ask for an open heart circle to do it with his family, with the family. And um, then that person would call us and, and would, would um, explain why uh, an open heart circle would be a good idea. Uh, and it usually goes about really themes like uh, emotional vulnerability, you say it like that? Yes, I think so, uh, about things that are hard to talk about mm -hmm. and that they feel that they would need help to, to be able to tell things to each other, to find new words and maybe even to find wings for the story to finally fly away. I don't know what yeah. some... Because we are talking about a young person's vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Since most of the open heart circles, we do this for people between 12 and 25. That's right. That's how we do it in youth care. But um, when you look at it, you can do it for age, doesn't matter. It can be happening in every family where there is a person who, um, where there are difficulties 
whether or pay, whether it's grief, whether it's pain, and the family wants to talk about it, and they feel that they cannot talk openly about it on their own, and they want somebody to help to um, make room. Because what we do in the circle is we create a space, a safe space to give voice, to, to, to let every voice be heard, something like that. And the only job that we have to do is to create that room. And that's why the circle is also very structured with certain kind of rules. For instance, like um, the person who leads the circle is the one who will give everyone the word to talk. You cannot um, interrupt, each, interrupt other. each other. Yes, yes. Well, um, when six years ago I was led to the open heart circles, that was one of the things that, that uh, touched me most was this unorthodox approach to a dialogue. Of course, I have a history in, in youth care. And when we had a conversation with family members, we would often be onlookers and we would just let it happen and only intervene when things really got out of hand. With open heart circles, it's not like that. Actually, what I found so amazing, surprising and appealing was the fact that you already start with the ritual. I mean, we, the two facilitators, we invite the people into the room with their grief and their angst and their uh, spanning, how do you say, this tension. Mm -hmm. But we, the facilitators, we have prepared the room in, in such a way that these people are welcomed with coffee and cookies and candles. Candles. Yes. But, but the candles, for me, are part of the ritual. I don't know how you do it, but I ask every family member to light one candle. Yes. Uh, and we do that in silence. Yeah. And, but exactly that yes. creates something, isn't yeah. it? It's a very nice ritual. The importance of the ritual is to make the transition from the daily life and all the rush we're in daily to another way of being together, another way of talking. Because that's often what people say um, afterwards, after they have um, lived an open heart circle, they tell us, um, we thought we were talking a lot at our place, at our home and our family, but now we know that we didn't talk in a way that we have learned here in this kind of setting, in this kind of atmosphere. And that's why the ritual marks something like we get together in something else than the ordinary way of talking to each other. Yes, That's yes. the importance of the ritual, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I know that Willy and Lutte, they ask the people to take off their shoes. Mm -hmm. Of course, they can, they, can, they can leave them on if they, because not everybody is prepared to show his socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say in the beginning, I, I found it really a bit uh, an odd ritual, but um, I like it. Because it gives something, um, sometimes it gives like that, laughing. Somebody, st somebody starts to laugh because, oh my God, my sock today is this or that. Yeah. <laughs> but it also gives uh, things like people that go and sit in the sofa and they just put their feet up. Uh, and that gives something cozy at home. So we have the ritual that opens up another way of speaking. But about what are they speaking? What, what is the topic on, on which we facilitate? Yes, it's interesting that you say that because we always have 
kind of the elephant in the room, as we say it. Eh? Often people then they come. First we had a contact by phone and on the phone they told us something about what's happening in the family. But then when we are sitting there together, often it's very difficult and yeah. the tension is high and people have difficulties to express why they are sitting there together. Yeah. For instance, when you have a family and the, a child in the family has tried to um, step out of life, um, then it's very difficult when the family is in the room, it can be very difficult for the people to talk about that, to, to say those words. And then we really try to invite them to tell the words because we know when we try and we have to, when we find the courage to talk about the very difficult things that live inside us, then it gives such a release. Relief? Release? Relief, yeah, relief I, think. I think, yes. What I always try, I try to bring people to find words, um, very clear words for their grief without, um, in Flemish we say, rond de pot draaien. <laughs> <laughs> without turning around the pot, uh, w w without avoiding the difficulty of the topic. That's very important. And so often you will recognize this when I say it. You, when, when the words are finally said, then you feel something happening in the room. Often it gets really quiet for some time because everybody feels that's it. That's the importance of why we're here. And then you know, yes, it is set. And then you can go on and talk about all the fear and all the emotions that it uh, brings. We start the circle with a question, for, uh, with a starting question, and we ask everybody with what feeling are you sitting here? How do you feel on this moment? And what do you hope that will happen in the circle? And that's a question that we start with. As you know, we do the tour. Eh? You, you, um, and then... Um, the next step is we ask the person that called us to tell why we are together. And um, when the person doesn't say it immediately, then we try to help. And then we say, for instance, okay, and when we talked on the phone last week, you also told me something else. May I ask you to talk about that? And so we try to invite them to tell it themselves. And maybe, maybe if somebody really doesn't can, cannot say it, then we would ask permission, like, um, can I say what you told me on the phone? Yeah. Now, maybe it's good for the people of our podcast to, to realize that, okay, even though you and I, we work in youth care and we work for organizations that pay us to do the open heart circles, William Lut, who originated all this, they are doing this for free. They never ask money for all the work and they've done it for years they invited so many families to their home and, and still they're still doing it they still do how old are they now i hope i don't make mistakes now <laughs> but, but in the 70s in their the 70s, 70s yeah they are both pensioned Mm -hmm. I know both have mm -hmm. their, their health issues and it's not always easy mm -hmm. to make time and to find the energy, but they still do it and they never ask money for it. Eh? Yes, they really do it from the heart. Yeah. No. Okay, the, I, what I know is that they also didn't completely invent this way of uh, talking. They uh, were inspired by the open dialogue of uh, Alan Sekula in... in uh, Finland, 
I think. Yes. When you when you look at open dialogue, for instance, and the open heart circles, there are very much um, how do you say it? Overeenkomsten. Similarities. Similarities. Yeah. But I think a big difference is that um, the language we use, for instance, in open heart circles, we use the language of love. We say. We use the word love, we use rituals, like you say, we use spirituality. Wow, that's a difficult word in English. <laughs> yeah, but the language of love, yes. it's, it's very... Because in English, when, when we have a conversation with decent people, we don't say fuck, we say the F word. Mm -hmm. yeah? mm -hmm. I find that in a lot of uh, professional conversations, love has become a, a taboo word. And it's almost, almost like people say the L word, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, yeah, uh, people are so afraid to involve mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking you, do you also feel like I do, that when people are talking on that level, that you start feeling love in, inside of you? As a facilitator, you mean? As a, as a, I'm, yes. I mean, when these people are talking like that, I love these mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I get goosebumps mm -hmm. as I'm talking. About. I really recognize what you say. It's amazing how you, you meet people, you see them for the first time, you never know them, they're completely strangers for you. And this happens, what you say, the love comes into the circle and it comes into your heart also. And when they leave after... An hour and a half, two hours, when they leave, you really love those people. That's amazing what happens. Yes, yes. Yes. It's because we, we all open our hearts, I think, because it's very important when you are a facilitator, you also, you said it in the beginning of this conversation, we also participate. We also are sitting there as human beings and we also tell what happens to us. I never elaborate into that, mm -hmm. but to be a good facilitator, you must have felt the pain somewhere mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. And, and you must be able and willing to lift a tip of the veil mm -hmm. of your own pain, that, that people feel like, this person's different. Mm -hmm. This person is not the professional playing the empathic person. Mm -hmm. This is empathy. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And it's right. And you don't have to use many words. You don't have to talk a lot to do that. It's in the energy, like you say. It's in what you bring over uh, in the room, in the energy. Because I think in an open heart circle, for us as uh, facilitators, it, it um, how do you say, uitdaging? Uh, the challenge. The challenge, yeah. Because we're all so used to talk and, and use beautiful words. But I think that our challenge is to be aware of what we should not do yes. instead of what we should do. Yes, yes. Uh. And we should not cure. Mm -hmm. it, because a lot of the, the professional help that is being proposed to people is we are going to cure you. Do you, have, you have you ever promised have you ever promised to cure people? No. <laughs> I think we always say sometimes people hope that you will do that. But we always say, uh, we don't have any cure. We can, all, we can only stand next to you and think together and search together yes. in this situation. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's what we should not do. You're right. We should not cure. We should not seek for, seek for solutions, try to solve things. But then we, because when we do that, we don't see what's happening right in front. And that's something I also learned um, 
by doing the open heart circles is having trust. I always call it having trust in the circle. What needs to come will come. And it's not your responsibility to make sure that it comes because it will come. One of the people that's in the room will uh, take care of the... Yeah, I don't, I don't find... Do you know what I mean when yes, I say yes, the yes. Trust, to trust the circle? I, I don't find a better explanation. Yes, than... yes. Sometimes I feel it like they, they transcend the roles of parents and child. Mm -hmm. They become... Yeah. They, they stand on each other's level. Like the, the, the child could be the parent. Yeah. And the parent could be the child. Yes. Now, you know, Siska, this podcast is called The Podcast to Restore Your Faith in Humanity. And one of the things that I believe that William Lutte have taught us is that it takes a lot of courage from these people to come to us with all the pain that is involved yes. um, concerning the psychic suffering of their loved ones, of their child, their partner, their brother, their sister. But this, this courage... It's not only words, because they, they express their love for one another, but, but we also hope that they step into the action, that they, they take the courage home mm -hmm. uh, and take responsibility for each other. Mm -hmm. um, for my part, I always express that they can come back as many times as they want, which uh, nowadays in uh, social welfare is a rather foolish thing to say, because everybody knows that there are huge waiting lists that is mm -hmm. very, very hard to find mm -hmm. the right help for you, for your suffering kid for your suffering child mm -hmm. and there are almost no organizations that mm -hmm. say oh well you know come back as many times as you want but we do it we do it and that is action yes and that is courage and i believe that is what william lute have taught us yes I, i'm glad that you talk about the acts uh, indeed it's very important and also when when we when we let people express their grief and their emotions and when we let people listen to their own emotions and to the emotions of the other people in the room, at that moment they go through their pain together. Going through the pain makes that you can feel the love together. You get touched by what the other person says and when you get touched, uh, it's like living us at the face of the other person, when you get touched, um, then your, uh, your responsibility is also touched and you're prepared to take responsibility. For each other. For each other, yeah. yes. And that's why uh, at the end of an open heart circle, for instance, we often ask also, um, what action do you want to take? When you look at the next days or weeks, what do you want to do to make things go better for you and for the family? So that's the action that you talk about. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's very important. It's yes. not only the talking and the love. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I propose that we listen to, to William Lutte, whom we heard in the beginning of the podcast tell about how Lever passed away and how that was the start of the open heart circles. I propose that we listen a little bit to where it began for them when Lever when when it when they when they felt that Leva was in really in trouble and the troubles that she went to, Sh shall we listen a bit? Okay, perfect. Yes. Leva is uh, our youngest daughter. That was an, a very enthusiastic. Leva was our youngest daughter. She was always full of life and so creative. But from the age of fourteen, fifteen, 
She went through difficulties in life. It was difficult for her to make friends, finding out what her real capacities were, and more specifically, after completing her secondary school. After a lot of hesitation, she finally decided to study social work, a study that she did not complete. At some point she met somebody, a young man in the neighborhood of Leuven. She fell madly in love with him. She then moved to Leuven, although she didn't have an income, she had no job. But one sad day, her friend called us and told us that our daughter was very confused. We drove to Leuven and we immediately consulted our family doctor. The house doctor said, yeah, that's not for me. She liever lag in the zetel, was was verward. The family doctor then said there was very little he could do. Our daughter lied on the, on the couch. She was very confused. We then consulted a psychiatrist, and that was our very first encounter with the psychiatric world. I would almost say a, a torture, because we saw very little progress. She went in and out of psychiatric clinics, and the existential questions she had, like, Why am I here? What am I doing in this world? Why does all of this happen to me? This question was avoided, and we, as parents, were completely set aside. At some point, your daughter is being taken away from you, and there is no way you can get to her. They forcibly made her take a lot of medication, Medication on which she reacted very badly. And at one point she said, listen, I think it's better if I ask for an admission into a psychiatric hospital. So this admission was on her own free will. She asked to be admitted. And when we arrived at the clinic, the first thing she had to do, she had to give her mobile phone. And her reaction was, no, I want to keep my cell phone. But they said, no, no, if you, if you come into this clinic, you have to give up your phone. The next day, when we called, we couldn't talk to her. Nobody wanted to provide information. No social assistant, no psychiatrist, no nurse, nobody. And since we persevered, after many phones, we finally found out that she was colocized and that she had been isolated, meaning that they put her in the isolation cell. All right, and can we see her? No, was the answer. Then on, on Thursday, a phone call came in from a social assistant, and by coincidence, we managed to get Lieve on the phone for just a while. But then we heard the voice of a nurse saying, Come on, Lieve, we're going to tie you up again. And we looked at each other and said, What? Is our daughter being tied up? They fixated our daughter Manu Militari in the isolation cell. And this had been happening an entire week or at least several days without informing the relatives. And then on Saturday, we were allowed to see her. They led her into the room. She, she was wearing a pajama that was not hers, that was far too big for her, 10 minutes, and that was all they gave us. And then the next week on Tuesday, she had to appear in court. We contacted her lawyer, and 
She said, well, I'm sorry, but there is no way that I can make you see your daughter before appearing in court. And there we sit in court. I see my daughter. She waved at us. She stood up. She walked towards us. And she was still wearing that too large pajama that was not hers. No socks, no shoes, barefooted. Her, her hair was not even brushed. Liva was a beautiful young lady proud of the way she looked. But this is how they made her appear in court. So in this psychiatric treatment, there was absolutely no place for any human or loving approach. An approach saying, I will take care of you. I, I will make that your hair is brushed. I will put shoes on your feet. That was the reason that we, as parents, said, this has to stop. Because it's not just us, there, there are probably thousands of people, young people and parents that are in the same situation, people that have no voice. We who are still articulate, my wife who was chairman of youth welfare and I who was responsible for a youth institution, we who can stand up for our right, who thought we knew the way, but these ways were blocked. What could that possibly mean for all these people who are not as articulate as we? And that's only one example, but we found out there are many examples, all leading to the same conclusion, and that conclusion is that for the family members, the door towards the psychiatric institution is closed. Als familie is de deur letterlijk dicht. So, uh, Dimi, when we, heard, when we have heard Willy and Lutz, I would like to ask you, could you, could you imagine, or could we imagine that um, those people, Willy and Lutz, that open heart circles would have existed at that time and that they would come for an open heart circle? Could you imagine that? How would that be? Um, I, I think I can imagine that. Um, so, so your question would really be like, Okay, I get a phone call from Lut asking our daughter has been collocated. We cannot see her. She is she is put away and we are put aside. And can you help us? That's a beautiful reframing. That's the question I meant. <laughs> um, and I would say our door is open. Come. It would be a challenge to find a way to do an open heart circle with Liva because she is locked away. And in my own experience, I in the in the four or five years that I now do open heart circles, I never had to fight the authority of a clinic to be able to talk to the young person in question. Did you? Um, fight the authority? No. Uh, when we had questions like that, um, we always found a way to could be able to talk to that person. So I don't have experience with with uh, with situations where we could not talk to that person. Because what is what is so touching in the story of William Lut that really says that he was, I mean, in youth care he was. People in in Switzerland and in France and, and in Germany who are not listening to the podcast, they don't realize how important Willy was. He was really a big guy in youth care. And Lut also, the, the job that she had 
was quite important. So if they couldn't get in touch with their own daughter that was locked away, I'm trying to imagine if I, as a social welfare and worker and, and facilitator of open heart circles, could get through these walls to, mm -hmm. to make it possible that they mm -hmm. see their daughter and talk to their daughter. Mm -hmm. But that, I would feel that as an enormous challenge and I would not sleep until mm -hmm. I at least get to speak to Liva mm -hmm. and make it possible that she speaks to her parents. No? Yes. yes, I understand. Yeah. I would have sleepless nights of that. And imagine, Dimi, that you, um, that you could realize that, that there could be a conversation, a circle, with, with Liva and her parents and her sisters eh? and brother. I don't know, she had brother also with the family, let's yes. say. Imagine, and then you know that, um, in fact, Liva, um, she really doesn't want to live in this world. And then you have the parents how would it be for you to, um, how would you do it to talk about that? Well, with a person who doesn't want to live and with parents? Well, we, we spoke about the L word, that it's almost mm -hmm. taboo. The D word is also taboo, mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. We talk about life, we facilitate life. And the D word is, is we, we go out of the way of that. And in open heart circles, I make sure that we talk about death. Do you? Yes, absolutely. And that's also why I think that uh, Willy and Lut, even if the open heart circles didn't exist, in fact, they did it in their life because um, they created the possibility for their, for their daughter to ask that kind of question, to ask permission to step out of life. And they answered to that question That's something that could happen in an open heart circle to talk about that kind of themes. Yes. And that's so touchy, touching also in this story because they, on the one side, they say we missed open heart circles and we were excluded as a family. And at the same time, they really did courageous things themselves to talk about the D word, like you say. Yes, yes. Whether suicide is a way out of problems, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But preventing uh, people to do it and preventing the dialogue about it mm -hmm. is something contraproductive. I feel it's so contraproductive. And so in an open heart circle, if people are turning around the pot, mm -hmm. <laughs> don't want to see the elephant in the room, mm -hmm. well, I, I take the carpet away and, and there that stands. I follow you completely. And, and I also think that it's... Um, It's a matter of, um, and that's something I learned from Willy and Lut. Um, they really taught me everything that's there is welcome. So the wish to die, the wish not to live anymore, is welcome. But also the wish that you stay alive, that your daughter stays alive, for instance, is also welcome. So everything can exist and we create, we create the right for every feeling and every view to be evenwaardig. Yeah, at the same level. Yes. And sometimes we really ask at families, sometimes we really ask uh, at the child, may your parent feel like I want you to stay alive. Yes. And we ask the parent, may your child feel like I don't want to live anymore. Yes. And that's really important that it can exist next to each other. Yes, yes. Without facilitating the deed 
or without uh, mm -hmm. facilitating any outcome. That's why it's an open heart circle. Yes. Okay, it's a heart circle because you speak from the, from the heart, mm -hmm. but it's open because the outcome is open. Yes, and also we know that by talking about these things, it connects you to life again also. Yes. That's really what, we, what happens. I remember this family saying, we've been avoiding this conversation for 12 years. I can imagine. And for the first time we feel like we've said something that really matters. I follow you. I recognize it. I was thinking about other things that really touch um, me that people say. Yeah, I think about um, children that say um, to their mom, for instance, finally... I get to know something about how you feel. It's always about me and I must always tell how I feel, but you never tell how you feel. That's also something that happens a lot. And of course, you have the other side of the spectrum where parents always tell their children how they feel. That's what we call parentification. Mm -hmm. Children are fed up with hearing that. Absolutely. And I think in the example that you give of that parent who really talks all the time about their feelings, I think we often notice that um, for, this, for those parents, it's really important to hear what a child has to say in the circle. Yes. And they're really often very amazed when they hear the feelings of their child, when they hear the pain of their, of their child. It's interesting to elaborate a bit about the mirror, um, because it's really amazing how the mirror um, always can help to go deeper when you feel that it stays superficial yes yes yes, yes. so once again so there are two facilitators one who uh, facilitates the dialogue and the other ones the mirror i think the importance for the mirror is not to analyze to get out of the head and really to feel what happens that's very important and every time when a mirror can do that and can tell what happens, what, 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 uh, what he feels, then almost all the time the family or somebody in the family tells afterwards, oh, that's right, that's it exactly. And it helps to deepen the conversation. And sometimes, it's a very important yeah. role. And sometimes when the, when the mirror says something, sometimes I'm also amazed that how does that person feel this? Really? Yes, because, that happens. Because, yeah. And then I see recognition with the, with the family. And the dialogue goes into a completely different level. It's, it's amazing to work with the mirror to do that together. And that's also why it's important um, that you really get to know your partner with whom you do the circle. And that you uh, have a short briefing before the circle, after the circle, to really... Be able to connect. Yes. Yeah and to, to feel each other uh, so that you know when to be silent and to give room for the mirror to, to, to act or to say something. And you really have to trust your mirror. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because this is not something that we haven't said yet, but before meeting the family, before having them enter the room, we are there half an hour, even to one hour before, to make sure that the atmosphere in the room is okay. That's why we, we never do these circles in the homes of the families, because we want to create a, a safe space. Yes, we prepared room. I think as a, as a duo, you say duo in English?
English, the duo. circle, I think it's a duo. duo. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that the most of the people that do it, they get their own rituals as a duo. Some duos, they walk a block around before they go into um, the room. Some prepare the room together. Yeah. Some sit together in silence. It's, it's all different, but you have to tune into each other also, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I think we have reached a point where I don't think everything has been said about the open heart circles, but we lifted a tip of the veil, I think. Do you think of, of, of things, Siska, that we haven't said yet? I mean, our audience in England, America, Switzerland, uh, Germany, they do not know the open heart circles. Uh, have we explained enough? Maybe we could say very shortly also that you also have, you have to start with the opening question, you have the middle piece where you talk about all the things that we've talked about, and then you have the, the, closing. the closure yeah. of the circle. That's also, we always have those three phases. Yes. So um, I think maybe we could do the closure here, like we would do it in a circle. <laughs> yes, yes. We always have a question like, with what feeling do you step out of the circle, with what feeling you leave this room, so maybe we can do the same here, yes. and then I think we have the full circle. Yes. So, yeah, you can ask me the question. So, yes, <laughs> Dimi, um, how do you feel at the end, with what feeling will you leave this room after our conversation? I'm very thankful that you are here, Siska, because uh, you were uncertain about your English, and I must give you a huge compliment because your English is better than mine. And I also feel that you talk about something that you know very well and that you live and that you believe in. I want to thank you very much for, for coming to Leuven. And to be here live with you is, is like a big gift. So thank you for this gift. And may I ask you what is the feeling that you have, the overall thought that uh, after this conversation? First feeling is relief, because it's ended. <laughs> because I was so nervous to do this, that's the first feeling. And then there's also, uh, also gratitude. I would also like to thank you, because you really made me feel at ease. Uh, you know what you're doing, <laughs> and you take people in it like it's, it's, it goes in a flow. So um, thank you for doing it this way. And let's not forget to thank uh, Willy and Lut who uh, made it possible for us to do this work and who are giraffe heroes or guardians of humanity, I will nominate you. <laughs> I think maybe we should also thank all the people that are doing open heart circles in Belgium and in Switzerland. You can cut this if you want, but we have people in Switzerland that do open heart circles. Oh, really? Okay. Why would I cut it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that Celine? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I know her. She, she's, she's been my colleague. Voilà, she's great. And she, uh, she works in Switzerland. Yes, voilà. okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. You have been listening to another podcast to restore your faith in humanity. The podcast inviting guardians of humanity. With us today was Siska Baart talking about Willy van Damme and Lut Bouters. Be on the lookout for our next podcast. It should be online within a month or so. Thank you for listening. Very glad you were there. And I hope we find each other again soon.